For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came out of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So much of our gospel passages coming from our Lord's discourse at the Last Supper as recorded by the Gospel of St. John. We hear much of our Lord being in the Father, one with the Father, and wanting us to be one in Him. We hear much about the love of Father and Son, and of Son for Father, and the love of the Son for us. It would be easy, especially to the degree that we don't recognize classical English, to skip over these words and not to think that they offer us any challenge. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came out of God. If there's a voice in your head saying, but I thought God loves us unconditionally, then you're recognizing what these words mean. Earlier in that same discourse from chapter 14, as we heard it at the ordinary form today and uh, earlier in the week at daily mass, verses 21 to 23, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, so Saint Jude, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Our Lord answered him, if a man loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. These passages deserve our attention. It's easy as the preacher, hopefully Deacon Garcia, who's a in my parlance, a permanent deacon, not a terminal deacon, so he is to be ordained a priest, God willing, for the Diocese of Brownsville, Texas, sometime in the near future, won't ever do. It's easy for a preacher to pick the passages of the gospel or of the readings or of the prayers or of the ordinary of the mass um, that are easy to talk about, easy to explain. It makes it that much difficult when these passages are not quoted directly and explained in the catechism. Not that it's a fault of the catechism. We have to remember that the catechism is a summary. It's not exhaustive. It's an 800-page summary, but still, nevertheless, it's a summary. If you have the, the paperback version of it, which doesn't fit in your back pocket and doesn't have any good indexes in the back or indices. Um, it's of limited value. 
but the larger version with the expanded indices in the back offer you, first and foremost, a listing of every passage of sacred scripture that's quoted or mentioned in the catechism. Absent that help, then of course, where do we go but to St. Thomas Aquinas? So permit me to either repeat to you what you already know or introduce you to question 20 of the prima pars of the first part of the Summa. It deals with the question of God's love. Does love exist in God? Yes. Does he love all things? Yes. Does he love one thing more than another? Yes and no. Does he love more the better things? Yes. God loves all things that exist. Even in, in the Catena, we see St. Thomas Aquinas quoting St. Augustine, who comments on this 27th verse of the 16th chapter of St. John. And he introduces us quickly and deeply into the inner life of the Holy Trinity. But does he love us because we love him? Or rather, do we not love him because he loved us? This is what the evangelist says, quote, let us love God because God first loved us, unquote. That's 1 John 4, 19. The Father then loves us because we love the Son, it being from the Father and the Son that we receive the love from the Father and the Son. He loves what he has made, but he would not make in us what he loved except he loved us in the first place. Again, we might understand the individual words, but sometimes the phrases of, of classical English escape us. He made us and loved us. He made us in a way that he can love us because he already loved us. Think first of all how God loves every created thing. Everything that, that exists comes from God. And he creates everything good. And he loves everything that he created. Everything that exists manifests the glory, the majesty of God, the beauty of God the creator. Does God love one thing more than another? In one sense, God's love is equal. God doesn't do anything 50%. Everything God does, God does perfectly. Remember, love here being God wills the good. To love is to will the good of the other. To will the good of the other is to will it to exist. To will it to be perfected. In that sense, what God does is always perfect. God, in that sense, God's love is equal. But with regard to what good he can will the thing, that's not equal. To some things, he can will more good because that thing is capable of receiving more good. It should not surprise us or even disturb us 
when St. Thomas Aquinas says, God the Father loves God the Son more than he loves a whole created universe altogether. That shouldn't make us feel neglected or left out. It shouldn't bother us. It should delight us. We shouldn't want God the Father to love us as much as he loves God the, God the Son. What good does God the Father will God the Son? All of his being, so that God the Son is equal to God the Father. And it's not simply something static, it's permanent, it's forever, it's eternal. It helps us to consider love not just from the vantage point of willing the good of another, because as creatures, especially as fallen creatures, when we hear that to love is to will the good of the other, we can make it very clinical. We can say, yes, I will that good happen to that person, and I hope they have nothing to do with me. I even love my enemies. I hope that my enemies are properly chastised and punished and sanctified and made eventually pleasing to me and to God and that they always stay far away from me. I love them. We have to remember that love isn't just to will the good of the other, but it's also to delight in the existence of the other. to rejoice that that thing exists, that person exists. Reflecting the glory, the majesty, the beauty, and the love of God. There's no sin that can erase all of our resemblance of God. There's no wickedness that can remove from us all good. In this sense, we have to understand that the death of the soul due to mortal sin is a, is a metaphor. It's a helpful one. But we don't erase all of our good. We don't erase every semblance of God. Nor can anyone do that to us. To love, then, is to delight in the existence of this other for, for its own sake, because it's, it's the glory of God that I behold. By the same token, love can't simply be that. Love can't simply be to delight in the the good of another, the beauty, the, the majesty of another, because then it can simply be cute and condescending. Oh, I delight in them. I just don't want them to be part of my life. They're very nice. They make me smile. I think they're cute. But I don't have anything to do with them. It's in this sense that Uh, English and Russian and Farsi have deteriorated such that they can even say grammatically, I love ice cream. It's impossible in Latin. It's impossible in the Romance languages. We can't say, I love ice cream. I like it. It, uh, it, it, It makes me happy. And think of what it does when we, can say, when we can use the word love about an inanimate object and about a person. That person makes me happy. 
That's the value of that person. To love, then, is to delight and to will the good of the other. And so certainly, God the Father delights in God the Son more than he delights in all of the created universe together. We hear it several times in the Gospels. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So not only does, is God will more good to some creatures than to others, he obviously also delights in some creatures more than in others. We should be happy, joyful, overwhelmed in how much God delights in the Blessed Virgin Mary, more so than he does in us. Again, we should not feel slighted, neglected, left out. The angelic doctor even treats of the question, can we say that God hates? Well, yes. God delights in what is good. It is good that can be loved. And everything is created good. When the good that one ought to have is missing, there's nothing there to be loved. What our Lord also teaches the apostles at the Last Supper is the new commandment of love, which helps us tie all of these connected or random thoughts together. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. God loves all. God loves all created things. Everything that exists still has good which God imparted to it, reflecting the glory of God. Not all things perfectly. God loves all of his human creatures to be willing to die for them. Sacred scripture marvels that, that Christ was willing to die not just for good people, Christ was willing to die for sinners. Even when we were sinners, he loved us so much that he died for us. And so to love our enemies, to love as God has loved us, to love everyone that much is the hallmark of being an authentic Christian, or at least the attempt to love all, the attempt to love our enemies identifies one as a Christian. If we don't even try, it's hard to imagine what that person does when they pray, 
Maybe they are trying to learn lessons or draw inspirations from a significant historical figure. But it doesn't seem to me that they are treating our Lord as the one who died for them and redeemed them and forgives them and sanctifies them as he did for everyone. When we learn this lesson of love, we realize then that, sure, we do, we do love some more than others. Some delight us more than others. But when we love everyone, it, it, it reveals the glory of God's creation. Things being different, not being identical. If we don't love our enemies, if we don't love everyone, and then we have our favorites, then we, we, we don't make sense of anything. Then love is probably more just a question of that person delights me. And God's love then can seem reserved only for those who are holy. We confront then the need to, to learn what it means to be loved by God. And we beg for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We realize that there is not only more to understand of God, but there are possibly dimensions of our life to which God is calling us, which we have not even imagined. With the gift of the Holy Spirit, we shall. And be able then to give glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.